Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a conversation on culture, theology, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold. I am uh, one of the hosts today, and my co-host is none other than Dylan Keniston. Good to see you, Dylan. How Good are you? Good to see you too, brother. Hanging in there, yeah. doing well. Man, I'm glad to hear it. Absolutely. And so today, we are talking about uh, an excellent topic, that of the state or civil government. So for those of you uh, just tuning in last week, uh, we encourage you to, to look at listen to that episode. We looked at severe sovereignty, basically uh, the differences between uh, what God has ordained as the family, church, and state, kind of laying that groundwork, that foundation. And this week, we get to dive right into the state or the civil government. I'm sure everyone's uh, favorite topic. Um, but before I do that, uh, this is our 10th episode, and I want to celebrate that by making a quick uh, uh, request there. Now, I'm not the kind of guy that likes to uh, ask for uh, support uh, financially. I know a lot of podcasts do that. They, they every, every episode, it's like, we need your support. Help, help us out. And, you know, that might be true, uh, but I don't want that to be a hallmark of our of our podcast. And so, yes, we are a a nonprofit podcast. We do have operating expenses, and if you find this to be a blessing to you, uh, useful to you as a Christian, we would love uh, to have your support. And one way to do that, probably the easiest way, is to go on a website called uh, Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Dot com and then slash two guys in a Bible. And it's a website that allows you to just simply sign up as a patron of our podcast. And if you sign up, uh, it's just a $5 a month uh, 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 donation. And um, it's, uh, it's something that would really help us out a lot with our operating expenses. I mean, it's nothing more than really a Starbucks coffee uh, every month for those of you who drink Starbucks there it's pretty expensive these days those starbucks coffee you know it can be it can i mean it gets up there yeah so so anyways we would love uh you guys to partner with us to help us keep the lights on i mean we're going to keep this thing going god willing but uh, your support would truly be a help to us that's www.patreon.com slash two spelled out two guys in the bible although Uh, i don't drink coffee who? I don't drink coffee. You don't drink coffee. I drink tea, but I love tea though. Is tea expensive? It's it. Well, no. Well, partly because. So this is what happens when you when you like tea <laughs> and your friends and family know that you like tea. You know, come like Christmas time and birthday, it's like a really cool gift to give someone. Mm. So I got like I have like mountains of tea at home from like just. So you can have a little tea party. Oh yeah, I can have a little tea party. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, this has nothing to do with anything. But when when civil government tea party. Maybe when when Brielle is a little bit older, I, I I'm. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff, man. I would totally do like tea party with her, and I, I love that kind of stuff. Dude, that's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm that's about a, it. I love my, I love tea anyway, though. Well, oh. it's a good segue because speaking of tea parties, we're going to be looking at the role of the civil government today. You see what today. I? Did there. You see what I, uh, I uh, wanted to pick that sneaky, up. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. No, no. Well, here's the question of the day, right? That's so true. we looked at sphere sovereignty, and now we're looking at the specific sphere or realm known as civil government. So here's the question. What is the role of the state? What's the sphere of the state, civil government? And does the Bible have anything to say about that? What do you think, Dylan? Anything there? Oh, in 25 words or less. Yeah, 30 yeah. seconds or less. Yeah, exactly. What does the Bible say? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and um, go. Well, okay. So let's. In, so there have been different 
to no surprise, no one's surprise, uh, slightly different views on, <laughs> on how... Just a few. How, yeah, just a few on how this one gets teased out. And I cannot tell you how many mountains of ink have been spilled over mm. this topic um, and, and how many hours of airtime we're going to add to that pile here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, but, but so there, let's, let's, um, let's start at the beginning. So there, there are some <laughs> questions about... Yeah, in the beginning. There are some questions about... Um, uh, is uh, the civil government a, is it an um, is it instituted at creation? Is it part and parcel of the created order, hmm. or does it come about after the fall? Hmm. Uh, Roman Catholicism historically has has generally said, and interestingly, Kuiper I think says this too, that it is a it's part of creation, is instituted at creation, that the hmm. state is something. Uh, within which and beneath which um, there is all kinds of uh, these spheres that we talked about last mm -hmm. week, right? Where there's there's all kinds of activity happening, uh, not just political, um, but you know, art and, and mm -hmm. education and mm -hmm. you know, all these different things, all operating under a, a certain sphere that is not necessarily part and parcel of anything that is you know providentially ordained by God post fall, whereas. Mm -hmm. um, I would say probably the majority in the in the Protestant heritage in the Reformed tradition, apart from Kuiper, I think of like Gordon Clark, um, who would, would come along and say, well, the, if we say that the main function of the state is punishing the evildoer, and we'll, we'll come back to some of the that question and yeah. whether that's right and some of the other passages around it. But if you say that, then it would be a post-fall uh, prescription. So right? you're saying the question is, does government exist prior to entrance of sin? Yes. Or only after the yes. entrance of sin. And it's one of those things where, like, I don't know that, you know, there's not too, too much that hangs on the answer to that Because we don't question. know that much yeah. before the entrance of sin. Now, and, well, the question is, why would you need a, an entity to bear a sword? So I, I think that... It, oh, I see what you're saying. In, in my mind, that is a little bit of a stronger argument, that it that it is a post-fall uh, entity. It's a post-fall um, um, institution. But uh, hmm. I mean, I could be, I could totally be persuaded well, on that. I don't what think about too, too like hierarchy, the angelic hierarchy? Yeah, there's government there. Yeah, that's true, but not necessarily a state whereby, in the in God's providential rule over humanity, uh, a sword is wielded. No, I, I yeah. yeah, I understand. No, no, but but I hear you though, because clearly there's some. There's some there's hierarchy. There's some hierarchy. Well, so in, in my mind, so so if we say government means hierarchy, then then yeah. If we say government, because it kind of comes back to this definitional question, but if yeah. we say government is like it is at least in in human uh, affairs and in God's providential care over humanity has to do with the wielding of the sword to punish the evildoer, mm -hmm. then it's not so much just a question of of is there hierarchy? Yes, no, but is there is there some is there behavior that needs to be uh, is do we need some entity to preserve through coercive force law and order mm -hmm. right and now post fall the answer to that would be yes yes uh, now but but again but I, is that the only thing the government does and that is a that's, that's a valid question, question right because so if you say yes so i think kuiper would say I, well, I think Kuiper would say no, right? Like government does more than that. Bring order to chaos. Bring right, um, and so if if we say no, government does more than that, then yeah, you could certainly say it's mm -hmm. a, it would be a in it would be a, a uh, an institution set up at you know even pre fall. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. but but generally, you know, what, what we're, I think what we're talking about here is um, 
We live in a post-fall era. We live so in a post-fall era. The point is now. Point, point is now. We yeah. we have government, right? Exactly. And government government is a, it exists. It's a it, it exists, and it's a good and it's a godly exercise. I remember one pastor um, who uh, he was talking about this. He just did a study on civil government, um, and he was reading scripture, you know, and and focusing on passages that dealt with civil civil government, and he was basically coming away from that study encouraged by how good and and god ordained of a thing within its within its realm and within its bounds civil government is you know there to preserve law to preserve mm-hmm. order preserve to, life evildoer, to preserve life and yeah. and and to um yeah i mean th- those are those are functions i mean we're not anarchists right so, no so you 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 need a government to to do some of those things in in the way that god has has orchestrated yeah. uh creation and 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 even in a post-fall context well i think there's uh, perhaps one passage that does seem to help a little bit is genesis 9. yeah now that passage for for context here is after the flood is over and and god tells noah and his sons to be fruitful multiply so but here's where a lot of folks will say is the beginning, or at least the explicit beginning, of the role of the civil government. And that is in verse 5. So chapter 9, verse 5 of Genesis. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man... By man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Now, what's unique about that is that it is the first time mm-hmm. in Scripture that God explicitly says, okay, whoever commits murder will be put to death. Now, it's interesting because that doesn't mean it's the first time that we see that murder is wrong. Cain knew that he had sinned when he slew his brother Abel. And God rightly punished Cain. Now, he didn't punish Cain by putting him to death. Cain received the mark and was cursed because of it. And, of course, Cain complained that his curse was too much to bear and that people would kill him for seeing the mark on him. But God said, no, if they kill you, it will be much worse for them. And so, really, the institution of the death penalty for murder wasn't then. It wasn't with Cain's murder. It was after the flood that's when god says now we can you can put to death the murderer uh there sure and and it's from his fellow man like you said in in verse five there and it's uh verse six by man shall his blood be shed exactly so we have some uh human entity or whether that's an institution in in this case i think it is right some institution that that is executing this command by god uh, to to preserve some kind of law that that, that God prescribes mm-hmm. and yeah so I, I mean I, I think that's a that's a really really great passage that's kind of a starting point yes. for um, yeah. for for civil government and conversations there yeah now that I mean again you could I think it, there are arguments that could be made for you know texts even like before this one we were, we were yes. just talking about is it a is it a pre-fall institution but, exactly but i think th- this is a good example where i think it's it's fairly clear mm-hmm. you know folks can read that it's it's less controversial i think oh big time yeah. big time I, i'm not familiar with anyone that says this has nothing to do with civil government right I exactly mean, it clearly does have something exactly that god is telling the government to do what other um in your mind other passages that's really key for understanding the role of the civil government 
Oh gosh, there's lots of them. Yeah. Well, I just hit on one. Well, uh, so a lot of folks will go to some of the big ones, right? Romans 13, Psalm 2. Oh, that's a good one, right? Um, So now I want to be clear, like what some of those are doing. So so in Psalm 2, there's a question about, you know, is it the case that those who are non-Israelites are Mm. accountable to Mm -hmm. God's law, even as states, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's a good question that Psalm 2 can provide an answer for. You want to read that one? Well, um, I can read yeah, it here. I have yeah. it right here. So how about I read the whole thing? It's, yeah, a, it's a pretty short psalm. Yeah, go for um, it. So Psalm 2. All right. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and their and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So, there in that, in that psalm, I guess my argument, when I look at that psalm and read it, it seems pretty clear to me that... The nations are not talking about Israel. I mean, they're talking about... And, and nations, uh, to be fair, in the Old Testament context, are not geopolitical nation-states. Right. Okay? It's not like, you know, Canada and... But but there's some overlap because nations are typically groups of people. You know, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites. I mean, they're all, they're all nations and they cover... Scythian. I mean, they all cover all groups of people of the world. So those groups of people as ethnicity, as ethnic groups, as nations, um, are are basically being told, uh, and their their kings are being told, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling and to kiss the son, lest he be angry. And of course, this is prior to the New Testament. So it's very interesting yeah. that the psalmist here uses the phrase kiss the son. And it's also in the context of um you are my son, today I have begotten you, yep. which is a reference that's pulled into the New Testament yes. to refer to Jesus. Yes. So whatever the psalmist is thinking here, the New Testament clearly says this is about Jesus. Right. And now that's not, so I think that's exactly right. So when we, it's cited to, for a lot of reasons related yeah. to Jesus. So in verse seven, cited in Acts uh, 1333, um, mm-hmm. this he, is, uh, he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So in other words, there's some relation in verse seven, Psalm two, verse seven, to, you know, uh, Luke using this as as a proof for the resurrection. Yes. Then you have the author of Hebrews in Hebrews one, verse five, to to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, or Mm. again, I will be to him a father. So here it's used to say, Jesus is higher than the angels. So Mm -hmm. Hebrews 5, verse 5, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was also appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. So Mm -hmm. you have verse 7 
used to argue at least three things in the New Testament. One, that Jesus is uh, is was prophesied to have to rise from the dead yep. in Acts 13. Number two, that Jesus is greater than the angels in yep. Hebrews 1. And number three, that Christ is appointed as a high priest in Hebrews 5. Yep. So there's a lot of... Um, it's, it's a really interesting question to say how the New Testament cites the old and, you know, how the New Testament does justice to the context of the Old Testament mm -hmm. with all of those various applications. Mm -hmm. That's a really important question, and it's an interesting question. The key thing for our purposes to, in, in this, on the subject of, you know, state and the question of whether non-Israelite, you know, the surrounding nations nevertheless are accountable before God, mm -hmm. even though they don't themselves have the law, um, that question can still be answered. So the fact that this psalm has all these other applications yeah, and points to Christ does not mitigate the the yeah. this other notion of, of application related to... It doesn't change the command. It doesn't change the command, that exactly. They are to kiss the son, right. lest he be angry, right. and they perish in the way. Right. Even if that act, nevertheless, is pointing forward to... That's right. To to Christ, yeah. uh, even in in his priestly in his in his priesthood, even in his kingship. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that's uh, a Psalm two, one of my favorite Psalms there. And then another passage that is the uh, quite controversial passage is the good old Romans thirteen passage. That's yeah, a classic, which we do have to go to. Of we course. have to. Oh yeah. Now, let me. There, there, you'll get different um, views from different commentaries on Romans thirteen. So here are some of the big questions. A um, is the Apostle Paul, is he making an absolute statement about submission to authorities? That's kind of question number one. Question number two, is the Apostle Paul, even though he's talking in terms of description, he's describing the, the government, the authorities, and we'll, I'll read it here shortly, is there some kind of prescription? Is there obligation implied in the text for those authorities so that's the the two biggest questions uh there and if and if the answer to the question number one is it's not absolute submission well that opens up the door to okay when do you not submit that's civil disobedience in a way which we can get to in another podcast but um that's that question and then basically uh to to look at question number two is there some kind of prescription or requirement in that text about governments, and if it is, well, that sets the stage for how governments are all, all governments are to function. So um, let's take a look at the passage there. Now, I do want to uh, make it also clear that you know chapter divisions are not inspired, um, and actually there is a connection with Romans 12. Um, and here's what I want to say about Romans 12 at the end. So in the end of Romans 12, there's a section about being, a, you know, what it means to be a Christian, to, 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 to love the Lord. So here's what Paul says to the church at Rome. I'll start in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, 
If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that's the context. And now he rolls right in. And here's what he says in Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. And so, the reason I mention the context of Romans 12 is he just commanded Christians not to get revenge on their own. And he says, you know, it is mine to avenge, as the Lord says. So you let God be the avenger. And then he rolls right into the civil government. And he even says he is an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So um, we can talk about absolute submission here in a second. But it seems that Paul is describing what the government does, the civil government. The civil government, at the very least, he describes as a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath, and as a a, appointed by God as well. So this is a description there, but the question is, Dylan, is is there any kind of prescription? Is there any requirements that we can say of the government in this passage? Oh yeah, certainly. Well, okay. So, so a couple of prescriptions for yeah. Christians, right? Yeah, yeah. So one prescription is this is why Christians are not to um, be all about vigilante justice. Right? <laughs> Batman. Yeah, Batman. Like, yeah. like so there's something inside of us, right? That's like, yeah, get him, and, yeah. and you know, and and you know, it, we can talk about how how to handle circumstances when those systems that are supposed to divvy out justice By the way, are themselves isn't it, corrupt. Isn't it, isn't it kind of interesting how, like, in superhero? Like yeah. the Avengers. Yeah. Their job is to basically be vigilantes. Yeah. But the true Avenger is the civil government. Yeah. In God's word. Yeah. I just find that very interesting how they how that works out in yeah. the Marvel comic books. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um well so so there's some prescription for Christians there. Yeah. Right. That just that we're not to go and extract vigilante justice. <laughs> um that's I mean, that that's kind of like our that's our, you know, standard rule of thumb now. There's related questions to that, right? So when the institutions ordained by God are not divvying out justice the way that they are mm-hmm. called to in, in this and other passages, then what do we do? So now I, I remember we had this conversation, yes. this you and I and a couple other, uh, other other guys were doing a Bible study, and one chap asked if the uh, 
the American War of Independence was justified biblically, uh, <laughs> right? So, so there's all those kind of fun, you know, conversations, and mm -hmm. I, I mean, we we can get there, right? So hold hold on to those thoughts. Someone can ask that question in an email. Yeah, exactly. And we'll we get can, to that. We one. can riff on that another time. Is the time. American Revolution justified? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but nevertheless, your question, Eric, was um, what is prescribed of? Civil is there anything? Yeah. So I think what is prescribed of civil governments in this passage is the preservation of law and order such by coercion right mm -hmm. so that the government is the civil government is given the sword mm -hmm. by god to punish the evildoer mm -hmm. um to get revenge to 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 yeah to essentially extract um justice mm -hmm. right um in to essentially to to be an arbiter that is delivering the Ju the standard of justice that God Himself prescribes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I I do think that's part of it. And then He goes on as so. This is why you pay taxes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. So because the authorities are ministers of God, and it's interesting too that like this notion of God's servant yeah. uh, in verse four is also the same word for 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 deacon. Right. Is it? Is oh yeah. God's, so like diaconus or yeah, deacon. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's God's God's servant. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. God. But in a sense of almost um. God's minister, like a religious sense. Yeah, almost. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think though there there is this, um, there is a. Well, I think one of the things that Paul does here really well, really beautifully, is he's saying, look, even the state for you know, the state is itself underneath God, serving as the standard of ultimate justice. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and and the state is, is subservient to that, hmm. right? Um, so you have, for example, you know, we we can talk about this in more detail another time. But but you know, one of the, the one of the appeals that that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. will make in his letter from a Birmingham jail. I mean, this is this is a common point that that gets made pretty frequently. Yeah, is that you know what he's appealing to is a higher standard of justice mm -hmm. than that which is extracted unjustly mm -hmm. by by his government at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is important to say, before we can even have any kind of conversation about whether or not a government is acting justly, whether or not a state is acting justly, we first need to have a standard for mm -hmm. what constitutes justice. It implies an external standard. It does, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that means it comes back to this fierce, the, the point Kuiper was making in sphere sovereignty, which is that you don't have the state at the top acting as an arbiter over all of these civil institutions yeah. that says here's the laws and and that that prescribe to to family right the state did not create family mm -hmm. here's the laws that apply to to education right the state does not does not institute or governor or determine what is true god does right mm -hmm. so so similarly here you have to have a standard yeah. that exceeds that of the the state to which someone can appeal yeah. when states are going amok. And it makes sense. I mean, like, if you complain, like, oh, the government is being unjust. Right. Well, you're already implying a standard of behavior right. that you expect the government to be doing. Yeah. And so it makes sense It's like, here. It's like mm -hmm. any kind of, any kind of uh, group, you know, might... I mean, we, we live in a society that's infatuated with rights. Oh, and, yes. And, and it could be any kind of group. So do you believe in... in Fill in the blank rights, yeah. Right? yeah, and for whatever, whatever the whatever the um, the, the the party is, mm -hmm. um, and and 
of course we want to answer that question, but then one of the ways in which we would want to answer that question is mm -hmm. like, where do rights come from? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who, who is instituting these rights and who mm -hmm. is granted rights? Now I agree that there are, there is such a thing as human rights. Or property rights. Or, well, yeah, I mean, that's as another, one of them. That's, yeah. that's another yeah. kind of right. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree there are rights. There's no question about that. But like, where do they come from? Mm -hmm. So you have to have this framework within which mm -hmm. that system even makes sense yeah. to, to appeal to it. I think um, a good analogy I found very helpful is, you know, sometimes in the, when the Bible makes a description of something, it is implying um, a prescription or, or, or how it's supposed to function. So, um, like, I think a good example is, is, is husbands. So uh, I'll quickly go to Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 5. Yeah. So, for example, Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Okay. Without going into... Uh, you know, that kind of submission and, and that good discussion on wives and husbands. Just notice, though, that Paul says the husband is descriptive. He is the head of the wife. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, does that mean that all husbands are acting that way appropriately? Well, clearly not. There are plenty of husbands out there and even Christian husbands that, that sin and, and we do wrong things and and maybe we maybe we cause our wives to sin or we use, sin against our wives. Use that as license to be, you know, yeah. iron fisted. Simply in because the home you are the abusive. head yeah. doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And actually, being the head implies responsibility. There is a standard that God has for how husbands are to treat their wives. Mm -hmm. And even though he does so even though Paul can say husband is factually the head of the wife. There is an implication that, okay, you need to actually meet this now. You need to grow into this. You need to be like this. This is what it means to be the head. And so I think a fair analogy, that it's a fair analogy for like Romans 13. He says that the civil authority is to, uh, uh, let's see, carry out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Okay. And, and he says in verse 3, rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Now, what about that? And I say, say, well, Paul, are you sure about that? Because there are plenty of government rulers that punish good. Okay, they're wicked rulers. They punish good, and they praise and reward wicked behavior. So how can you say that? But the point is, is that— Nero. Exactly. Look at Nero, Emperor Nero, a yeah. very wicked ruler. So the point is, is that he's not only describing their role, but implying that this is what they're supposed to do. Like, they're supposed to punish evil. And when they don't punish evil, they fail to be a servant of God. They mm -hmm. fail in their role as, as civil magistrate. It doesn't mean that they stop being a civil magistrate. They're still the civil magistrate. They're just not doing it right, mm -hmm. essentially, what it comes yeah. down to there. Is that, is that a fair analogy there? It does. And, and I don't, I don't want to jump the gun on the question of civil disobedience because yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this is related to that. It is but, related to it. But like it is – like – Christians, I think, as a general rule of thumb, mm -hmm. and this is why, sh should be very slow to um, take to force against that governing body that God has ordained. Like, we are not revolutionaries. Yeah, that's true. Y you know what I mean? Like as Rebels as, and anarchists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we are not—like, that's—now, 
does that mean that there is never, ever, ever a place for, for disobedience to the civil mm. authority? Mm. No, it doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. It does mean that is a big red button that we are like so far from pressing. <laughs> That's extra covers on it. Like don't press it. Yeah, yeah. In emergency brake glass. It is. Well, because you get sometimes, so so I know there, there are, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ who, who really do mean well, who say, um, you know, for conscience sake, I cannot, uh, I do not, hold that this let's take the american government because that's where we yeah. you know have our, that's our context and we say you know i do not see the american government as my government because and does not name they, jesus as lord well or because they do they do something wicked okay you know yeah. they're they're supporting some policy that is very maybe very abortion wicked. or maybe yeah and some w- whatever evil it war, is some unjust war yeah, yeah exactly so, well, and therefore that's not that's not my government or that's not my you know hashtag not hashtag, my president, not my president not right my president. exactly <laughs> yeah and that's like that's not a thing for, that's not, for, for, for that's Christians. That's true. He you know is I mean? your president. He is. And, and, and whether you would like it or not, disagree with it or not, or yeah. agree with it or not, I mean, that's beside the point. The point here is that um, God has instituted civil government as an, as an institution for, for our good mm-hmm. in, in, in a sense, right? Yeah. So like um, we should be very, very slow. We, we don't get to say, well, you know, because President Trump did you know we're recording this in 2018 so you know well, yeah, because uh, Donald the Trump president, is the current president because exactly the president, yeah so you know because Donald Trump supports policy X therefore I don't you know owe him some anything measure of allegiance as a citizen of the United yeah. States can't say that and well now similarly because President Obama supported in the past you know policy X you know therefore I cannot see him as my president or I do not you know I can't submit to the American government as long as it's supporting whatever policy. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's not really something that... Now, again, is there a big red button to push for that? Yes. Yeah. And we can talk about when that happens. Yeah. But there is a difference between the state disobeying God and steps to take and us as individual Christians disobeying God yeah. and steps to take. Yeah, that's so, true. That's a big difference. That's true. And this whole... And civil disobedience is just a small part of the relationship between us and any authority. Yeah. So, for example, um, father, you know, so it says, honor your father and mother. Right. That's, that's pretty simple. Now, does that mean absolute, unqualified obedience to any father, well, to your father and mother, regardless of what they ask that's you to do? That's a great point. Yep. No, no, clearly it's not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, you can still honor your parents, even if you don't agree with them, and even if they're sinning. And you just have to, you can't obey because the Bible makes it very clear. You are not to, you're not to sin. Even if someone commands you to sin, you are not to sin. And if I, as a father, tell my children to, and I actually tell them this, I say, if if daddy or, or mommy or daddy ever tells you to sin, you are not to obey us. Yep, that's right. Now you are to honor us. And so you, you, you respect, you say, you know, father, uh, daddy, uh, you know, with all due respect, you know, we always say that that common phrase, with all due respect, you say anything you want, right? <laughs> no, but that's not, it's not true. But the point's there. Yeah. Like, with all due respect, I cannot follow you in what you're about to do. And, and by the way, you are sinning, you know, against God. And yeah. I just can't, I can't do it. Yeah. So that's a form of disobedience that still shows honor and respect. Because I don't stop being a father, right? you know, whether I'm a bad one or a good one, I'm still a father. And father, as an office or as a as a 
as an entity still is supposed to receive honor mm -hmm. and so is mother so that doesn't go away same thing with the civil government yeah. you know you can't say hashtag not my not my caesar right right i mean he it is yeah whether you like it or not it is yeah but that doesn't mean that it's unqualified absolute obedience at all times yeah so when the, it's the same thing when the apostles you know they you know i think it was the pharisees coming you know stop stop proclaiming the gospel stop yeah, preaching the pharisees this message tell them, yeah they tell them you know, like stop and what do they say they're like we must obey god rather than men yeah right and now that really is the rub right so where you where some governing authority tries to get you to sin or to disobey god mm -hmm. then that's the that's the stopping point right yeah so now here's an interesting point he was an individual by yeah, the way yeah as an individual yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Now, it is an interesting point though is that like if you took romans 13 by itself and divorced it from the rest of scripture one could argue that it teaches absolute obedience because mm. it, it says you will be in subjection sure you learn to submit but obviously we're christians we believe in the whole of Bible, and that's why this is an, when we talk about this topic of the state, we are grabbing at different texts. We're looking at Genesis, Psalm 2, Romans 13, First uh, Peter, but there's also, I think, one that's really powerful, and that's Matthew chapter 22, yep. and that is the paying taxes to Caesar, mm -hmm. which we will probably have an episode on taxation itself, you know, hashtag taxation is theft, that whole movement nah, but see christians can't say that holistically i, I know and you, you know I, that we'll I know. get to that yeah we'll get to we'll, that we'll get to that but i do know like, christians that say that yeah I, I, yeah me too but but it is a biblical question about what is legitimate to tax yeah. for and what is legitimate to tax and what is not legitimate like mm -hmm. in my mind oh man and that's we'll get to that. like we don't people don't like christians will talk it's not a very big conversation like yeah. just you know microeconomic policies stuff like that it's not very big conversation in a lot of evangelical circles today yeah, yeah. But I do think it impinges on some broader conversations. Anyway, yeah, no, we'll, no, we'll get to that. I look forward to it. Yeah, because taxes are legitimate, and there's yeah. some taxes that, that are totally legitimate, outlined in Scripture, that the state can, can levy. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. But then there's some that may, might not be. Yeah. And then, and, But here's that key passage, right, that, that we've got to love it. Jesus gets, he gets put into a trap, but he obviously does not uh, get caught in it. So here's what happens. Uh, chapter 22, verse 15 of the book of Matthew. Then the Pharisees went and plotted... So think about that. They're plotting how to entangle him in his words. Mm -hmm. So they're already going into this, like, how can we get this guy dead? It's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. Yeah. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, teacher. So they're already trying to be, like, respectful here. Like, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. I mean, they're just, they're just like, laying it on him. Polite build water. No, but, yeah. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us, then what you think is it lawful to pay taxes to caesar or not now that's a loaded question yeah. in that context here we'll take a pause real second um it's a very it's a very uh uh, uh, uh difficult and fragile time period in, in first century palestine because you do have extreme groups here you know you got the zealots who who are basically the political revolutionaries who want to set israel free from the grip of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. And they think that Caesar's illegitimate, those taxes are illegitimate, and anyone who does it is a collaborator, you know, and you are, you're done, you're in trouble. But then you get the other side of the coin, which are the tax collectors. So they're working for the, the Caesar, mm -hmm. but they're Jewish, like Zacchaeus, right? And then you have some of the Sadducees too, who are kind of like, you know, buddy-buddy with with Caesar. And so you have those guys who are all about submitting to Caesar. So here's what it is. If Jesus says, 
uh, if, 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 if he says it's a yes or no question, then he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. Because if they say, is it lawful to pay taxes or not? And he says, yes, it's lawful to pay taxes. The zealots are going to hate him. Yep. They'll be like, okay, he's a collaborator. And if he says, no, it's not lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, they can get him on rebellion. And they can basically have Jesus executed for rebelling against Caesar. Because yeah. Caesar demands taxes. But here is the, the, the wisdom of Jesus here. But Jesus, verse 18, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. So he makes one statement, and they're dumbfounded. Now, the power behind that statement is this. He looks at the coin, and he says, Okay, this is this, this, this Caesar's image on it. Give it to him. But the implication, though, and to God the things that are God's. Now, what bears God's image? Humans do. Humans. Including Caesar. Including Caesar. Humans bear the image of God, and we are to render to God the things that are God's. And that includes the human image. That's part. That's worship. That's a whole bunch of other things. And that includes Caesar. He also is to render to God the things that are God's. But we can render to Caesar the things that are his. He made that denarius. That's fine. Let Give it back to him. Mm-hmm. Let him have it. And so I think that helps us a little bit understand this relationship between, you know, us as individuals and as Christians and the civil government. And it ties to what you said about, about the apostles, you know, refusing to not preach. The, you know, they're going to keep preaching the gospel no matter what. Yeah. So and this is what's what's really clutch here, too, right, is yeah. like. What I just said, you know, a few minutes ago was that, you know, there, there might be some, some taxes that are, that are levied today. Well, again, we'll talk about taxes, but, yeah. but that are not, that are not biblical. Yeah. Even if, so let's suppose, and I'm, I'm teachable on this. I'm still growing, but let's suppose for a minute that, that there are taxes that are levied unjustly in American society today. Let's just pretend that's true for a minute. Mm-hmm. That does not give me the right as an individual to not pay them. Mm-hmm. So, so Jesus is saying, go and pay that tax mm-hmm. that's going to fund the centurion yeah. salary Caesar's to, wars. to crucify me. That's right. You know what I mean? So like to commit the greatest uh, sin act, mm-hmm. the great, most heinous act to, to kill the son of the very son of God, who the only one to, to ever be pure, innocent, sin, without sin. Yeah. And, and Jesus is saying, pay the tax that's going to pay the salary of the centurions that are going to do this. To do act. The, they're going to crucify so, me. So, just because there may be, I mean, just because there may be taxes that are that are levied unjustly and, and this, go to wicked purposes. and go to wicked purposes, this and this one here may or may not be one. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is, if there are some that do go to wicked purposes, it does not give us the right to not pay them, and that's something that is 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 really hard. Like, yeah. as, I mean, for me personally, I mean, just given you know my own proclivities, you know, that that can be a hard teaching, but it is something that we need to. Yeah. to remember um yeah you know we don't get to be we're, we're not revolutionaries that say well this is no longer yeah. you know my my government and i'm yeah. not i'm just not going to pay this tax yeah and we don't get to say that so in light of these things then would you say then that there is a right way to govern there's a right way for the civil government to govern to do its job as a servant of god uh i mean is that oh yeah you can draw from that yeah then? absolutely i think that you know, when we talk about what are the, like, it's never a question of whether there is a standard for some, 
person or some institution. It's always which standard, what standard gets applied. So is there a right way for civil government to govern? There absolutely is. Now, do you know, I'm, I'm teachable on that. And I, and I hope all of yeah. our listeners are because it's a really complex, like we can't come in here and just, you know, say like, yeah. oh, this is easy. We got this on lock. Like it's, there's no questions at all whatsoever. And yeah. it's a super simple question. Like if it were that simple, it would just not be like, billions and billions of pages, literally billions of pages, like of ink spilled on this yeah. topic. There's a ton of very complicated questions. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. the standard is still scripture. It is. Right? Yeah. So like when, well, like it, that's one of the reasons that I think, you know, we can come back to in, in agreement is that even if we disagree at the, at, the, at the level of policy or at the level of application, mm-hmm. we still have one arbiter between us that's shared. And that is what allows for these kinds of conversations to progress mm-hmm. and to actually, you know, make, um, you know, just to make progress on, on these matters. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can, we can come to some basic agreements today yeah. that maybe we weren't able to come to in the Middle Ages. Yeah. And I think there are some general, like, just looking at these passages now, there are some general principles. And let me, let me read the last main passage here, uh, from first Peter that is also equally, equally powerful. So first Peter chapter two, uh, verse 13 through 17, here's what he says, uh, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence, the ignorance of foolish people live as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And so, again, Peter here is saying very clearly, these governors are sent to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Now, it seems pretty clear then that whatever the government does, and we can we can argue as far as like, well, what is the government's job to have, you know, welfare, unemployment, social security, health care, all those things. We do know, though, at the very basic, it is to punish evil mm-hmm. and to praise the good in some way, shape or form. And that's predominantly through administering of justice, bearing the sword. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think the difficult Part might be to talk about some of those other areas. Yeah, like, yeah. So you know, like you get you get some Kuyperians or, or students of Abraham Kuyper. You know, Doyavird comes to mind who will say, you know, it, yeah, it's those things. Plus, um, you know, uh, the state has some function to has some role to play with respect to you know social justice, welfare, education, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, healthcare, etc. Mm-hmm. And then you have schools of thought. You know, maybe a little bit closer to you know Carl Henry or J. Gresham Machen. Here's Machen. Machen goes in front of the uh, goes in front of Congress. Yeah, and he was speaking against the Department the of Education, Department, Federal Department of Education. He called it a wicked proposal, right? Well, but what he's what he's doing there, is, and same thing with Henry. He has he has a particular view of the proper functions of the state, mm-hmm. um, and and those really are some of the questions where where um, Christians at times can disagree. But I think the key is to keep those questions exegetical, right? That's true. That's what we want to, at, at minimum, I think that's what I think, you know, Christians generally ought to be agreed upon to do is go back to scripture. What, is, what does scripture say about yeah. A, B, or C? 
And then we tease those questions out exegetically and hermeneutically. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're going to all agree at the end of the day. I mean, that's that's a little bit of a pipe dream, at least until we're in glory and, you know, where yeah. Christ comes back. That's right. You know, but until then, we can still... Um, we can grow in our in the depth and knowledge and understanding of these things. I mean, I this is a huge one, and this is one in which I mean, I, I know that I personally still have a ton of uh, growth uh, to, to gain on this because yeah. it's it is such a, a, a tricky one. Yeah, there's so much details. Like like I mean, we could talk about, for instance, let's let's say structure of government. Oh, is it monarchy? Is it constitutional republic? Is it democracy? Yeah. You know, how do you go about that? There are some great questions. And there's some good stuff in the Bible that can maybe guide us mm-hmm. in that. Or what about different roles? You know, what about education? What about welfare? What about health care? Okay, again, I do think that we have to have to glean wisdom from Scripture and look at those passages, Proverbs, uh, and, and, the, and the other books of the Old Testament to see what does God say about health care, about caring for family, about education, yeah. and whose sphere is that in, and does, is it, can it ever be um, shared by another sphere? You know, we're talking about all these things. How do you wage w- warfare, just warfare versus unjust warfare? How do you relate federal, state, and local governments? Mm-hmm. Which one does which mm-hmm. thing? Who does more? Who does less? You know, it's it, it's very complicated because it's a huge system it's a system and it's very it's quite large and quite uh, robust so there's a lot there and not only that like i mean just the fact that we i mean again in an american context we live in a in a in a uh, democratic society or in a republic technically yeah, right yeah, so constitutional republic, constitutional yeah. republic. Yeah. so so here in a, in a society where we are so the population is given a right uh to to i say i want to use that word carefully but we have um we can vote Right. It's a responsibility and a it's right. Resp- responsibility and a all right responsibility. All rights seem to have responsibilities with it. Right. That's that's right. So so granted that we have that. Uh, now we we have this ability to vote. That you know Paul when Paul is talking, I mean he's in the you know Roman Empire and yeah, there's not 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 much voting going on there beyond you know whatever. But he does use his rights as a citizen. Whatever Nero fancies. That's exactly right. So now there's this pattern that we can that we can derive from Scripture where. Okay, if in our different civil contexts, yeah. whatever rights we are given, you know, is it wrong to appeal to those? Well, I think, you know, no, we, we can say it's not. I mean, Paul leverages his rights as a Roman citizen, to your point. Yeah. Um, so we likewise, in an American context, have a right to vote. We can leverage that to advance policies that are God-honoring and try to stem the tides of those policies that might be... Um, very uh, wicked. Very wicked, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's not it's not to say well, like you know Christians just not, well okay well back up for a second I'm kind of assuming mm-hmm. that um, we're not I, I'm assuming that Christians are permitted to have any kind of role in government at all whatsoever there are some there are some groups within Christianity that's um, true there's some factions of I, I think some Anabaptists go in this route mm-hmm. where basically they would say you know a Christian can't be involved in the government at any level yeah um, or you know you try to minimize that as much as possible so you get the Amish you know what I mean and it, they yeah. might just say we are going to have nothing to do with this because, you know, f- for whatever reason, I mean, it's wicked from top to bottom. It's it's not something that, yeah, that Christians we don't are bear permitted. The sword. We don't bear the sword. It's it's not something that we are permitted to do as Christians. Um, I mean, what, what would you say to, to something like that? Oh, well, you're talking to a guy that works for the in the military. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so clearly you've thought, you know my answer you've thought these things through well, a little all right, bit. Look, we will do a topic, I think, a podcast on warfare 
and just warfare and maybe pacifism. Yeah. Take a look at that. Although I, I, I just don't think pacifism is a biblical pers- 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 position, in my opinion. But, um, but yeah, I mean, as a Christian, I, I, you know, different roles that I have, right? So, mm. I mean, I can't bear the sword um, in the church, right? Mm. As an elder in the church, I don't get to go around executing people, right? That'd be mm. horrible and completely wicked. Um, and I also don't get to execute people in my family. Mm. I don't get to bear the sword in that way. Uh, or my children. I discipline them, but that's different than punishment. Punishment, um, there's no picture of reconciliation there. Mm. Okay, punishment is just fulfilling of justice. Discipline, the, the intent is to grow and to reconcile, right? Mm-hmm. The civil government doesn't care about reconciliation, or at least it doesn't seem like in Scripture, when you talk about punishing the evil, it's not about reconciliation there. Mm-hmm. It's about justice. And justice, pure justice, does not... You know, it doesn't it doesn't lend itself to mercy, right? Mm-hmm. They don't like that. So, anyways, um, but as a so, but um, as a Christian, I'm also in my role as a servant of the state. I work for the civil government in the in the military, and so in that role, I do bear the sword. Mm-hmm. It would be no different than a Christian being a police officer. That person in that role bears the sword. Uh, in the authority, under the authority of the civil government. And I just, I always find it interesting uh, in my old unit back in Las Vegas, um, you know, the motto, our patch that we wore on our flight suit, um, its motto was dealing vengeance. Hmm. Now, how, how, how interesting is that? Like the, the combat unit that I was part of, its very own motto is dealing vengeance, mm-hmm. which lines up perfectly. Like it's to wage war against the wicked, right? You know, and uh, that's what we were. That's what we were doing. Yeah. We were dealing vengeance, and it's okay in a way. I am an avenger. <laughs> yeah. Dun 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 dun. But no, I'm not. I'm not as cool as like Captain America or anything. Right, right. But right, still, right. yeah. But still. Anyways, that's how my. I would be my quick response to that. Although we can talk more about pacifism and and things like that later on. Well, what about so? So, like in my mind, what about the. Um, and this might be coming out of left field, but we were talking a minute ago about, you know, the difference between punishment and discipline and how, you know, largely punishment is the function of the state to bear the sword where reconciliation is not in view where discipline it is. Um, There are many programs uh, that the state sponsors where uh, the the stated goal of the program is to, is to lower rates of recidivism uh, where basically recidivism is, is that, that notion that, um, or that rate at which criminals, who have served their time will then reoffend. So you try to um, decrease that, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different ways you can do that. I mean, one way, a great thing. I mean, a lot. We'll be of executing them. Well, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sorry, if they if, no, but if they well, deserve it. Yeah, and under certain circumstances, sure. If 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 the if the crime warrants it. Um, but but in this case, though, there's a lot of really great. Um, there are churches that are very involved in prison ministries where you go and you try to mm-hmm. share the Bible with, with those who are prisoners and, and to disciple those who are prisoners. And um, I, mean, I think that some really interesting work has been done about the relationship between some of those programs and, and rates of recidivism. Yeah, um, but that's the com- word. Right, but compared to those that are more uh, kind of like state-sponsored programs oh, that, yes. that they might go through. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think it would be really interesting. I personally don't know the answer to this question, but I think yeah. it'd be interesting to see what the what the comparisons are there. That's true. Um, 
So anyway, if anybody's out there who has done yeah. some research on that, I would I would be curious to see it. That's interesting. Um, no, yeah. it's something to definitely talk about and think about. But it, it you know is that is that a proper function of the state? I mean, it, it kind of comes back to the same question. To yeah. to redeem. To try and redeem. To try and redeem. But the question right. is, how does true redemption take place? Right. The word of God. Yeah. Does the state possess the word of God? No. As an, the, as the an church does. No, as an institution, yeah. it does not. The yeah. church does. Now, if the state allows the church to do its job, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if the state tries to replace the gospel with something else, some kind of feel-goodism mm -hmm. or materialism or some other worldview, and it hopes that it can change hearts with it, I think it's going to have a hard time of that. Yeah. At but the end of the day, it's, it's the gospel that it's, changes hearts. It is hearts. the gospel. A a amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, as we come close to our time here, uh, it is time for our proverbial challenge. Uh-oh. Proverb of the day challenge. And now uh, my brother Dylan is on the hot seat. Oh, boy. On this episode. So I hope he uh, is ready. You got the you got the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Pray handy. for me, y'all. Yeah, exactly. Ready to <laughs> Need go? All the help I can get. <laughs> that's right. No, this one shouldn't be too difficult. All right, here you go. Proverbs sixteen twelve. It is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. Yeah. Well, okay. So when we say it's an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness, I think. Couple of different things to say there, right? Number one, this notion of governance and and throne and rule and 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 the state is established by by God Himself, and it is it is established in such a way to to preserve righteousness and to preserve law and order um, and to com and to you know do you know commend that which is good and and to um, to stay that which is that which is evil. Mm. When you have rulers who come into a, a position of authority who then do evil, it's almost like you're, you're prostituting the office itself, mm. right? You, you, are, you are compromising the, the purpose of the very office to which you have been elected when in that office you, you do that which is evil as a ruler. Um, so I think I think as a general as a general rule of thumb, we want to remember for for those of us who like if if you're out there and you're uh, if you're a Christian and you are you are serving your community in some role of political authority. So first of all, thank you for your service, and and I praise God for for that. Um, and and second of all, I think it this is. You know, a lot of times those who are in those kinds of roles might ask, well, what the fact that I'm a Christian and I'm in this this position of political power, what does that mean? How should that work itself out? And one of the things we want to remember is that the very purpose for the position that you hold is that that, that position is established by righteousness. It is mm -hmm. established by God's own standard. And so we want to to behave and govern and act in a way over those who are Christians and non-Christians. Because keep That's in right. mind, we're we're if you're in a position of political power, you are governing over entire, like, a huge swaths of the population that are not at all Christian. Yeah. Have no, they're just not right. So, nevertheless, you are to govern righteously. You are to yeah. govern well, hmm. um, and that's that's really important to keep in mind. And now, how that gets teased out, there is there are standards for that that are yeah. that are laid down in in God's word, um, and and those standards are for human flourishing, mm. even for those who are not themselves Christians, 
so that's I think that's something really important to keep in mind. That's awesome. Yeah. No, uh, thanks for that, um, Dylan, and uh, uh, handling that one uh, uh, so strongly as you did. Um, so that you know that does wrap up our our episode on uh, on the state. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Again, um, there's different ways to get in touch with us, but I think the best way is to just go to our website. So it's it's number two guysinabible.org, and there you can get uh, you can submit questions. There's a button there for submitting questions, and there's also other contact information uh, uh, there. So please uh, feel free to shoot us any email, any questions that you have about anything cultural, theologically. Related, I imagine we'll probably get a whole bunch of questions uh, after today's episode. I mean, everyone loves politics, right? Theology and politics oh, uh, there. So mixing those two together will get you a nice uh, concoction, right? Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, especially over Thanksgiving dinner. That's, that's yeah. right. Thanksgiving oh, dinner. Thanksgiving's coming up. That's exactly right. That's when the talk, that's when the talk come out. Yeah, right? Oh boy. Yeah. So, anyways, thank but you always, guys. Always, always grace speaking the truth and grace yes, seasoned, never with, forget. seasoned with love. Yes, right. Yeah, it's it's something about you know we we all want to make sure that we're, we're we're teachable. So that's true. Amen to that one. So thank you guys again for tuning in, and uh, hope you have all a wonderful day. God bless. God bless y'all.